Second Peter chapter 3, I'd like to read verse 17 as well as verse 18. I'll pray and then I'll share here some things from the Word of God. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for this blessed time. I pray that uh, you would cause us to just be still for the next few moments to listen for what you have to share with us. Yes, we may hear the voice of a speaker here at the pulpit, but Lord, it's really not my voice that needs to be heard. It needs to be the voice of the Holy Spirit. I pray that, you, Lord, you would just touch each heart cause each person to evaluate their life, to think about where they stand before you, and may some spiritual transactions take place here today. We ask it all in Jesus' precious name, amen. Today I'm going to talk about a topic that has to do with spiritual growth. Now truthfully, spiritual growth doesn't seem to be one of those topics that is talked a lot about today. There's a lot of organizations, uh, Christian organizations and teachers, that in their biblical talks have promised power, spiritual energy, and success without the process of growth in the spiritual maturity. The Christians who follow these leaders end up looking for certain dramatic experiences and quick-fix solutions to their spiritual problems. But sadly, real lasting victory doesn't come through those types of means. But I want to submit to you this morning that God has so designed this Christian life in such a way that you and I be seasoned to maturity through a continual process of growth. In our contemporary world that we live in, there is a non-emphasis, if you will, of spiritual growth And it has reaped a harvest that has not really been all that good. There's been a lot of Christians around the world that have not properly developed in their Christian life. Churches are filled with people who are spiritually immature, who are undiscerning, who are weak and very fragile at best in their life. Spiritual underdevelopment is the rule and no longer the exception. And I think many of these Christians here who find themselves weak and and a little bit immature, they're addicted to a quick fix, a therapy, so they can move on as opposed to the standard of walking through the rigors of discipleship and growing in the things of God. And I want to challenge you here today to think about your life and where you stand with the Lord Jesus Christ This is why this year we're taking on this theme of spiritual growth and really asking this question, am I growing in the things of God? When we talk about spiritual growth, it really is reminiscent or akin to the physical growth that we all face. You know, as you watch maybe your children that have been born in your household or now as grandparents you're watching grandchildren 
you watch these children move from the infant stage to the toddler, to that childhood uh, phase, and then they become a teenager and a young adult and a middle-aged adult, and many of you here today now in what they call the golden years. But I talk to many of you, and the golden years are a little tainted, aren't they? But watching children grow is exciting. I think about my three children, my two boys and my daughter, and watching them grow has really been exciting for me. But I want to say today that uh, in the process of watching children grow in the various phases, our churches, and our church specifically here today, is filled with Christians of many different phases. I'm thrilled today to be able to pastor a group of people where there are a number of mature believers, those that have really grown in the faith and have gotten to know God, and it's a joy to be your pastor. But there are others on the other end of the spectrum who are newly saved, and you've just come into the faith, and now you're learning what it is to grow in the things of God. But sadly, there are some who've been saved for a long time, and yet have not made those steps and grown in the things of God. And I want to encourage you today to take those necessary steps of faith, to follow God's leading in your life, and to grow in the things of God. You know, it seems that too many Christians have not grown, and I understand many times those things are not seen from the outside. We don't necessarily see the growth on the outside like we would in the physical growth of our children. But I want to tell you something, how important it is for, children, for us as God's children to grow. So today I want to discuss the growth that ought to be evident in every one of our lives. First of all, I want you to note, number one, that growth depends on life. Now this is very obvious in the physical realm, but sometimes we don't seem to equate it in the spiritual realm. When a baby's born into this world, that mother loves to hear that first cry. Because it indicates that there's life. That baby from there will begin to grow. And so what is true in the physical world where a baby takes that first breath and begins to grow into adolescence and into adulthood, it is also true in the spiritual realm. In the physical realm, you must be born before you can grow. In the spiritual realm, you must be born again before you can grow. The Bible teaches that all those that are saved have been, the Bible says, uses the word quicken in the King James, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That word is a word that means to make alive. Why are we made alive? Because all of us, as Ephesians 2 talks about, all of us that are born in our sinful, natural state are dead in our trespasses and sins. And we think, oftentimes, that uh, we're okay in our life. But I want to tell you that though people who may think they're okay, they may be religious, but they're lost. These people who think that they're okay may be moral, but they're estranged from God. We have all sorts of people today in churches who act the part and think that they have life, 
but they really do not. Let me illustrate it for just a moment here. And I have, I'm, I've joined the club with you here about three plus years ago to become now that aspect of a grandparent. I'm telling you, one of the greatest things in the world, as the old statement goes, if I knew grandchildren was this good, I would have had them first. But you know, I've watched my granddaughter, Josie, play with stuffed animals or certain little figurines. And I've sat there and I've watched her with these stuffed animals And she's in her own make-believe world. She takes these stuffed animals and she's carrying on a conversation. As an adult, I'm watching this and I'm saying, well, how cute this is. But then on the other side of my brain, I'm thinking to myself, does she not know that these animals aren't alive? Does she not realize that they can't talk, that she's actually having to put the voice in for them? Does she not realize that they don't understand anything that she's doing? But, you know, she's immature. She's at a place where she doesn't understand that, but she's got her own make-believe world. And I'm here to illustrate this fact that there are many people, sadly, who come into churches that think that they're saved, that think that they have life. But unless you come to the place and personally receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you do not have eternal life. You go back to the Gospel of John, there was a man who is a very religious man, was a Pharisee. In fact, probably was one of the most notable of the Pharisees at the time of Jesus, a man by the name of Nicodemus. He came to the Lord Jesus and had certain questions that he wanted to ask Jesus And I love the words of Jesus Christ. Jesus said to him, ye must be born again. You've got to be born from above. Nicodemus, this life of the Christian is not all about what you teach. It's not all about how you live. It's not the conduct of your life. But it is the fact that you are born again. And it's only God that can impart that new life. So the question I have for you today, as we talk this year about growing, have you had an experience with God where you've trusted Him as your personal Savior? You're not trusting in your good deeds. You're not trusting in the fact that you're sitting in church and checking off a box. You're not counting on any other thing to get to heaven other than the fact that there was a day in your life that you had an experience with God by trusting Him as your Savior Are you born again? Second thing I want you to notice about growing is this, that growth is not determined by certain criteria. Growth is not determined by certain criteria. Now, we live in a world today that is based on an achievement system, a merit system. In other words, in our world now, For those of you that watch the news a lot, you understand that our world is constantly changing. And there are things that we, growing up, have achieved and worked for, and it seems like now there's a whole society that's coming up and just wants everything for themselves without the work and effort. But typically, our world is based on merit. People will achieve a grade point average in school because they earned it. People will land a particular job because they have certain credentials. All of us who are working a job understand that when it comes to having that job, that we earn certain things for it and therefore we can buy what we want and and, uh, have the things that we so desire. But though we may live that life in this physical world, may I say to you that the Christian life is not based on an achievement system. 
Now, I'll talk a little bit more about this word grace in a, a little bit later in the message, but to suffice it to say that you and I have to be careful how it is that we measure the growth in the Christian life. Let me give you a couple of things. First of all, we don't measure the Christian life this way. It's not measured by the calendar, but by character development. Now, what do I mean by the calendar? I'm talking about time. I'm talking about the aspect that we look at our lives and we say, well, at this juncture, I ought to be here. And we might say, well, at a year of being saved, I ought to be here. And at five years, I ought to be here. And I understand some of the aspect of that. But Christian growth is not based on time. It is based on character development. I remember years ago, my mother-in-law started something at her house in Fort Myers, and she would take all the grandkids and she would mark at certain stages where they were. How many of you had a mother or father or grandparent that did that? All right, all two of you. That's wonderful. I'm just glad that you're, <laughs> praise the Lord. But my mother-in-law would go ahead and mark at certain phases of the kid's life, and she'd show where they were. And it was neat. I remember before years ago that we had sold that house, one of the last times I was in there, I, we left those marks there and we saw where they were. And I was able to stand back and look at where my children were when they were this height and then this height and that height. Can I say to you that Christian growth, really, we're not measuring it from the outside and saying, well, at this point in our Christian life, this is where we are and this is where we should be. But it is all based here, if you will, on character development. Now, we're in the book of Second Peter. Go back to the first chapter, if you would. And I want you to note here the character development that ought to take place in each person's life. Simon Peter writes this book here. And he talks here as the servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. And he's talking to those who have obtained this life that is in Christ, that is through faith. So therefore, verses 1 through 2, every person who has this life must know Christ as their Savior. In verses 3 to 4, he tells us what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, there's a wonderful power that is given to us through the life and godliness and great promises in verse number 4. And then I want you to realize that all of this is in partnership with God because unless God imparts the life, you don't have it. And unless you begin acknowledging God's work in your life, that partnership, things are not going to happen. So notice here, what are we adding to our life? Giving all diligence, add to that faith, virtue. This is really, if you will, an excellence of life in order to fulfill the God, the purpose that God has for you. Adding to that knowledge, the knowledge of who God is, the knowledge of that relationship with Him. Temperance is this idea of a control of the natural or sinful self. Adding to that patience. How many of you are still learning patience? Absolutely. Adding to patience, godliness. Adding, in verse number 7, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, this aspect of charity, or the word, is love. But I want you to note here the fact that we are adding these things to our life. These are the marks, if you will, that we look at in regards to the growth, not necessarily just saying, well, at this time I ought to be here. Secondly, I want you to notice something else about growth, and that is that it is not measured by performance of duties, but by practice of godly disciplines. 
Now, again, we think of growth, spiritual growth, in terms of an achievement. We think that somebody maybe is a spiritual giant because they come to church all the time or are heavily involved. But again, this performance basis has many of us duped, if you will. I can just get involved as much as I want and think to myself, well, I'm going to measure up to that person, or I'm going to be in church all the time and measure up to this person. I want to tell you something. We don't measure ourselves by those external standards. I'm thrilled for people who want to come and be part of the the services and hear the Word of God and get involved, but I'm here to tell you, do not measure your growth by your performance, by what you do. It's not the external, it's the internal. Don't worry about the outside. All of that will take place as you begin developing that maturity in Christ and that godly discipline. I think about the character of David in the Old Testament. You know, it's amazing when that great prophet Samuel went down to Jesse's home and saw Jesse there and began to ask about uh, the king that was going to be anointed And all of the boys come through and, nope, not one of those, not one of those. Boy, they all look pretty good. They were strapping boys. They were sharp young men. And finally, David comes along, that ruddy young boy, just a shepherd boy. A boy that all the rest of the brothers had basically just relegated out to the field and didn't care much about him. And though it didn't look like much was on the outside, there was a character that David had developed on the inside. And David was a godly young man who had a love for God and disciplined his life. And therefore, he was able to grow and mature in such a way that God was able to use him. So I want to tell you, it's not by performance of duties, but by practice of godly discipline. But I want you to notice something else, and that is it's not measured by God's favor of you, but by your faith response to His working in your life. Some people think that they struggle in this life because God just doesn't like them. Can I say to you that God loves you just like He loves the preacher? God loves you just like He loves that Sunday school teacher you just sat under? God loves you just like He loves anyone else? God doesn't play favorites in church. We may look at our various workplaces in our neighborhoods and see that there are people who play favorites. We might be able to find various households where moms and dads play favorite, but in the household of God, there are no favorites. God here is responding to you and loves you and is giving you the opportunities, and it is upon you to respond in faith to Him. And that's really where our growth is measured. Number three, I want you to notice growth is developed under particular conditions. Go back to 2 Peter chapter 3 and notice verse number 18. There's two areas where I note that we grow here. Now, our theme is just based on the one aspect. But I want you to notice it says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. First of all, growth is developed under particular conditions. What's the first one? It is a response to the grace of God in my life. It is the response to the grace of God in my life. Now, what is grace? 
Somebody has given a definition of grace, taken the five letters here, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Wonderful definition, but I like to look at it as this aspect of unmerited favor, receiving something that we do not deserve. And all too often, we simply as Christians relegate grace to the point when we got saved and we say, well, God was gracious to save me at that point. I want to tell you something. God showed His grace at salvation, and God's grace is evident all the way through your Christian journey. You need God's grace. We are to be dependent upon God's grace. You see, at salvation, God was gracious to you in giving you what you don't deserve. I love Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are ye saved through faith. Romans chapter 3, verse 24, being justified freely by His grace. But like I said, the Christian life is also a life of experiencing the grace of God. It is experiencing something that we have nothing to do with. Grace, again, has been defined as that unmerited favor or maybe the ability to do what God calls us to do. Many of you who have been saved for a short time don't understand maybe some of the things that God's going to call you to do. And there may be some things that come along that you say, God, I don't know how I can do this. There may be some trials, some pain in your life, some suffering that comes about. And God will give you the grace to get through. And through that trial, through that suffering, you will grow. But it's by the grace of God. It might be in a relationship that you're in and you may struggle in a particular relationship and you may have to learn what it is to forgive someone or or kind of take the other cheek with someone or whatever it may be in that relationship. But God will give you the grace in that aspect and through that you will grow. Oh, how much we need the grace of God. May I say to you, the grace of God is unlimited The day that you got saved, you got immersed in a whole ocean of God's grace. And there's not more of it that you can say, well, I I want... God has given all of His grace and it's available for you. But now I want you to notice, second thing that we grow in, the Bible says, in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is the maturing of our relationship with Christ. I want you to notice that word knowledge. Oftentimes when we think of knowledge, we think of the aspect of factual information. We're gaining certain things to place in our mind to know more about God. And to a certain degree, that is correct. I read verse number 17 where Peter's writing here. He said, Beloved, you know these things from before. And he says, I'm writing to these things to you so you're not carried away by the error of the wicked. In fact, if you read through the book of Second Peter, it's a short three-chapter book. I'd encourage you later this afternoon to read through those chapters. And a lot of things that Peter is writing about is false prophets that are coming along to deceive Christians. Now, how do you know when a person is a false prophet? Oh, I know. Let's go study all of the false religions. And I'm not saying that you can't do that. But in order for you to detect that which is false, in order for you to know that which is in error, it is best for you to know the Word of God. 
to know the various doctrines of who God is. Why is Jesus Christ so important? The Holy Spirit, what part does he play in my life? The Bible, what relevance does that have to my life? And knowing these things will help you as you learn these aspects. You gain this knowledge. It helps you to ward off the evil that is in our world. But I want to say to you today that the maturing of our relationship is not all just based on the brain. It is based on a personal, unique relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about you not sitting down reading the Word of God so you can check off a box and say, Oh, I learned this new word today. No, this is all about you getting to know the author of this book. This is all about you getting to know on a personal level the one who saved you. So questions I have for you, are you getting to know God through His Word? Or are you sitting down just breezing through reading the Scriptures and checking off a little box to say you read something and then forgetting anything about what you read? Try that with your spouse sitting down thinking that you're checking off a box. Your spouse wants you to get to know her or him. Your mate is interested in you getting to know not just the facts, but getting to know intimately one another. And that's the way God's relationship is with us. Are you getting to know God in prayer, spending time with Him? Not just giving your laundry list to God and telling Him all the things that you need, but really spending that time and getting to know Him. Are you getting to know Him more in suffering and in pain? Well, lastly, I want you to notice this about this growth that we have. Growth is deepened with very specific characteristics. Now, the Bible tells us there are some things that we grow in. And I mentioned earlier, it's not all the external things. We think, well, if I go to church, that's going to be an area. You know, I'm I'm growing because I'm going to church just because I'm checking off a box or because I'm involved in these things. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But that's not how we mark spiritual growth. But I want you to listen to these couple of things. First of all, we're deepened here in our growth in the area of love, love. You and I ought to grow in love for one another. Now, I understand in churches that there are some people you just don't like. Do you understand the difference between like and love? Sure. We're commanded as believers to love one another, but there are some people that you just kind of just tolerate. You just... All right, they're not my style. They're not my type of person to be around. That that person kind of annoys me a little bit. I get that. That's what happens in a church. But we are commanded to love one another. And we're to grow in that love. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love toward one another. Powerful. Another area that we can be deepened in our growth here is the area of faith. Faith. Faith is that trusting God in every area of your life. Listen to this verse in 2 Thessalonians 1.3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. 
Now, as God is talking to you now, and as you go home and God begins to speak to you about certain areas in your life, I want to ask you a question. What is God asking you to increase in as far as your faith? Maybe God's asking you to make a decision about something. Maybe God's asking you to get involved in a particular ministry, and you say to yourself, I don't know if I can do that. I'm not sure if I can follow through that way. Well, I want to encourage you in this. Begin to ask God to help you to strengthen your faith, to trust God and to follow Him in what He's asked you to do. Have that faith deepened and strengthened and grow in it. You're going to go through the Scriptures, many other things to grow in, but today we're just trying to address this aspect of growing. Growing. How wonderful, as I said in the very beginning of our message, to note what we see happening in our own children physically. I loved the various stages my children were growing in. I loved it when they were infants. I loved it when they were children. Didn't always understand everything that was going on. Didn't understand as a parent some of the things. But boy, it was fun to watch. In fact, I'm just thinking right now, my my nieces here, Kaylee, and I have a great little story about Kaylee that I love to share. We laugh about it every once in a while. But when Kaylee was about two years old and Johnny, just a little bit older than Kaylee, we were over at somebody's house and we were eating some seafood and having a great time in conversation. And Kaylee was over there just jibber-jabbering. I'm telling you, as a two-year-old. And none of us understood what she was saying, but we could tell she's trying to get our attention with something. And she kept asking, so her mom and dad, Dan and Julie, kept asking, Kaylee, what are you saying? As if, if she says it again, maybe we might understand, but we didn't. And finally, we looked at Johnny, the other two-year-old, and we said, Johnny, what is Kaylee saying? And he said, oh, she wants pizza. (laughs) Okay, get the girl some pizza. But honestly... The fun stages of watching children grow. And I want to encourage you here today that in the Christian life, there may be some real downs in your life and some pain and some heartache, but there is a great joy in being able to grow in the things of God. And the question that is left with you here is, are you growing? Now, God has something for you. God's got a plan for your life. God knows what He wants at the end of your life, how your life should look. And it's a matter for you to depend on that grace of God and to follow His leading in your life and be what God desires you to be. There's a company in our world that, um, it's a Swedish company that sells ready-to-assemble furniture. I was just looking at it this week. It was started back in the 1940s, but in the 2000s, really, this company really started to take off. And I remember one of the first times that I walked through there and saw some of the sets that were there, the bedroom sets or living room sets. And I don't know about you, but I just get enamored by things, you know, very easily. And I'm like, wow, that's neat. Look at how they put those pictures there, and look at, look at the way that's all set up. But do you realize, unless you pay extra for it, that if you buy that particular bedroom set, it's going to come to your house delivered in pieces. And it will be upon you 
to take all those pieces and read through those directions and put all that together and hopefully get it to look like what you saw in the showroom. But I'm here to tell you that at the end of your life, if I could liken it this way, it's almost like that showroom. God knows at the end of your life where He wants you to be, what He wants you to look like. And it is your job with the grace of God and the strength and the help of God to take every day, as it were, a piece and be putting it together and be yielding your life to the things of God and to come to a place where you can say, I am conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. I am growing in the things of God. This year in 2024, I want to encourage you, wherever you are today, could it be said that at the end of this year, if the Lord tarries, that you could look back at December, you can stand at December 31st, 2024, and look back and say, you know, when the preacher preached that message on January 7th, yes, there have been changes in my life, and I have grown closer to Jesus. I want to encourage you this year to grow in the things of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to share the Word of God. I ask, Lord, that you would just take this message, maybe things that may not have been said that maybe right now you're touching on the heart of individuals, maybe things that have been spoken that you're pressing upon them. I pray that decisions would be made here today. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, may I ask these simple questions as we... Jesus Christ, do you have life? Are you born again? Maybe today you say, preacher, I don't know if I have life. I don't know where I'm going for all eternity. But I'd like to know Jesus as my Savior. If you're here today and you'd like to receive Christ as your Savior, in the last number of weeks we've had quite a few adults that have prayed to receive Christ as Savior. Some have come and made it publicly known. Others have been baptized by immersion. And what a thrill it is to see people know Christ as Savior. And I'd have to imagine here today, even a crowd just of this size, that there are some that do not know Jesus as Savior. I'd encourage you right now to pray to the Lord and ask Him to save you. Right now in your seat, you could be saved. If you would acknowledge that you're a sinner, that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins, that He's the only way to heaven, if you would accept Him as personal Savior, the Bible talks about that you can be saved. If you're here today and you'd like to be saved... You'd like to know more about what it means to be born again while heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you just slip your hand up right now? You say, Preacher, I'm not saved, but I'd like to be saved. Anyone here today would like to be saved? Then let me turn my attention to Christian here today. Christian, whether you call Calvary Baptist home or not, this message really is for you. Yes, this will be our theme. This will be something that we will talk about through the year and we'll encourage people in. But today and right at this moment, I want to encourage you to make some decisions to go ahead and increase in your faith, in your love for others. 
grow in the things of God. And so today you evaluate your life and you say, Preacher, here's an area I need to grow in. I need to grow in my personal walk with Christ. I have some sinful areas in my life, some failures that I need to address. Maybe those are some things that you need to talk to God about and grow in. Maybe it's today you need to grow in your relationship with the Lord. You've not been spending time with Him as you ought to. It's possible here today that you need to grow, maybe take on a ministry. God has been challenging you about getting involved in some aspect of the local church, and it's time to now start growing in that. Maybe you need to grow in the area of being bold for Christ and sharing the good news with others. I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you right now, God's touching your heart and He's speaking to you. Would you answer Him today? Would you respond to Him?